So we're holding in the Gemara where it said, This goes back on the Mishnah, where the Mishnah is talking about the Allah of Atmana. Uh, when you are insulating food for Shabbos, so we learned this already many times, let me mention the rule again. When you insulate food on Friday for Shabbos, you're not allowed to insulate it with, uh, with material, with substances that are moisif hevel, that increase its heat. But you are allowed in something that does not increase its heat. So over here we're talking about gizet semer, wool shearings. So if you're insulating it in the wool shearings, the Mishnah says that's okay, but ve'ein metaltalin, but the, the wool shearings are mukta. So the Gemara says, and this Amarave, When are these wool shearings mukta? If he did not use them for the insulation, for that tmona. If he did use it for that tmona, then since he's using it now for a tmona, so it's, it's, he's using it for Shabbos and it's, it's fit for use. So it's not mukta, it's allowed to be moved on Shabbos. So one of the students that was there for just one day asked the following question to Rava. So it's interesting. The Gemara points out that that was his first day in the Bismedrish. Apparently the question the Gemara is about to ask is such an obvious question that even a student from one day was able to ask this question. So the Gemara quotes the Mishnah. What does it actually say in the Mishnah? You could do that mana of your path in the wool shearings, but the ain metal telenoison, and you can't move the wool shearings because it's mukta. And then the mission goes on to say, Keita do I say, so how do you do? How do you access your food? You remove the cover of the pot, and the wool shearings will fall down on its own. You can't touch the wool, you can't move that is the wool shearings, you can just remove the cover. So it's pretty clear in the Mishnah that we're talking here about the, the, about the Gizeit Semer that you used for Atmana. And it's still Mukta. So Hakadur of Rava said that only if you did not use it for that mana, then it's Mukta. Elo says the Gemara, I itmer, hachi itmer. This is what Rava must have said. When are these wool shearings going to remain Mukta if he did not designate them for Mukta? He wants temporarily use them for that mana. So in that case, these wool shearings are usually designated for making garments out of it. So it's raw material, which is mukta. If these gizet semer you did designate it for that mana, so then metaltlanaisan. So then that's what it's designated for, and that's a use for Shabbos, and it's not mukta. It's manami. So too we learned in another place. So he said in the name of Rebbe. This that the Mishnah says that it's mukta is only if it wasn't designated for atmana. If it was designated for atmana, so then Then it loses its status of mukta. Now it's been designated for being used for that atmana, and it's fine to be used, fine to be moved. That is on Shabbos. This is one pshat in what Rava said. But Ravina comes along and says, no, we could learn what Rava said, the way it was quoted originally, and it's not a problem. What the Mishnah is talking about over here is that you have the Gizit Semer that come out of the warehouse. And when they come out of the warehouse, they're certainly not they're they're certainly mukta because they are made for clothing. Right? So in that case, when it comes from the warehouse and it's made for clothing, so therefore the Mishnah says that it's going to be mukta. But what Rava was talking about was the wool sharing did not come from the warehouse. So if it's not coming from the warehouse and it's not designated for clothing, so over there Rava said once you move it, you use it for atmana, it's not going to be mukta.
So therefore, there's no stira between what the Mishnah said and what the Rav said. For this as well, the Gemara brings a riot. Tanya Nami Hochi, we learned in the Braisa that says, Gizet Semesh al Heftek, the Gizet Semesh that come from the warehouse, a metal to You're not allowed to move them on Shabbos. These are raw materials from a warehouse made for clothing. If, however, the Balabayas prepares them and designates them to use them for Atmana, then metal to Then you're allowed to be metal to, you're allowed to move them on Shabbos. This is the conclusion of the two pshatim that we have over here relating to our Mishnah. Either the Mishnah is talking about all kinds of Gizit Semer, or the Mishnah was specifically talking about Gizit Semer that came from the warehouse. But now we have this new concept that the Gemara brought up over here, which is that you could have raw materials or any kinds of materials that are really mukta, but once you designate them for a specific permissible use before Shabbos, so it loses its muktzah status and it's going to be allowed to be used to be moved on Shabbos. So the next Omer uh, the of Gemara will be discussing this halacha about how to take a muktzah item and turn it into a non muktzah item. Zakta Gemara Omar or Tane Rabbe Barbachone Kamei So Rabbe Barbachone learned in front of Rab Charoyos Shel Dekel. Dekel are Basically, the lulavim, if you leave them on the tree longer, so then these lulavim basically turn into these sticks, these wooden sticks that are pretty, uh, like a strong branch. So these charayas shall dekel, shagodran la'etzim, he cut them from the tree to use for firewood. So if they're used for firewood, of course they're mukta. But then the nimlach alein li'yishiva, he changed his mind, he wants to use them as a chair to sit on them. So what do you do? So if you want to make it a uh, non-mukta item, tzorach l'kasha, you're going to have to tie together, you're going to have to do an action to tie together these charayas shaldekel, these branches, to show that you're designating them to sit on, that it should be not mukta. Pshim Gamliel says, there's no need for an action. Ain tzorach l'kasha. He doesn't have to tie them together as long as he changed his mind and in his mind he mentally designated them for the use of sitting on it, that's enough to turn it into a non muktzah Yeah, before Shabbos, of course. Tani law, hu tani law, Rabbi Babachonim brought this b'raisev, hu amalah, and he also said, halachak rabshim that we pass like rabshim that as long as you designate it mentally in your mind, it's not muktzah. Itmar, so now this subject we learned also as a machlaikis between Rav and Shmuel. Rav, you have to tie together the branches of the palm tree in order to show that it's not mukta. Shmuel, no need for an action. It's enough if you think mentally that you're using it for a seat, it won't be mukta. Now, now the Gemara brings a third opinion. But Ravasi, Ravasi is actually more makal even. He says, you don't even have to mentally designate it either. Yoshev, as long as you sat down on it, you used it as a chair, you didn't tie them together, so you didn't do an action, and you didn't think that mentally and designate it, it's fine. Once you sat on it and you used it for that, that's enough for it to become not muktza. It's not anymore firewood, it becomes a chair. So the Gemara Gemara asks, where did Ravasi take his opinion from? Ravasi is an Amaira. We before brought a Braisa of two Tanayim that argue about this. So where's Ravasi coming from? Rav is following the opinion of the Tanakama in the Braisa, that you need an action to turn it into an Anmuktzayim. Shmuel follows the opinion of Rav Shemigam Lil. Who's opinion does Ravasi follow? 
answers the Gemara Tana. He follows the Tana of the following Brisa. The Tanya we learned in a Brisa. Now this Brisa is not discussing Muktza. According to Teisvis, maybe it is, but Rashi's Pshat, the simple Pshat here, this Brisa is discussing not carrying on Shabbos. So the rule regarding carrying is, which we're going to learn extensively in the next Patek, that if something is a garment, of course you're allowed to wear it and carry it outside on Shabbos. But if you have something that is not a garment, so then you can't carry it on Shabbos. So now, what this Braisa talks about is as follows. You're allowed to go out with Pekurin and Tzipa, which are either a, a linen or wool band-aid, basically. This is what it is, basically a band-aid to protect the person's wound. So when are you allowed to go out with them on Shabbos? When is it considered to be a garment that you can go out with it? Bizman Shetzavon B'Shemen, if you anointed it, if you put it into oil, or V'Karchon B'Meshiche, and you tied it around with a bendel to keep it on. But Loi Tzavon B'Shemen, V'Loi Karchon B'Meshiche, if you did not put any oil there, or you did not try it, tie it with a bendel, with a string, then En Yetzim Ben. It's not considered to be a garment, and therefore, you can't go out with it on Shabbos. It has to be something which is comfortable for you. It's with the oil, which makes it comfortable, and it's tied with a string. Some actually say that it could be either or, either with oil or with a string. Either or makes it into a uh, garment, and you can go out with it. But then, the Braise says, If you use this as a garment, you put it on your wound one, uh, one moment before Shabbos, so then, even if there's no oil there, and even if there's no string that you tied it with, once you used it that way before Shabbos, you designated it as a garment, so that it's considered to be a garment, and you can c- carry it out on Shabbos. So from here we can apply the same concept regarding muktzah. We have a non-muktzah item, and you used it, sorry that is, you have a muktzah item, and you, you designated it as a non-muktzah item, without mentally designating it, without doing any action to, to tie it, just by sitting on the chair, that makes it into a non muktza item and you can use it on Shabbos. Omar Ravashi, Ravashi brings another source. Afanana Mitanina, we learned in another Braise, Hakash She'al Gabe Hamito. You have straw that's on a bed, and straw generally is muktza, as Rashi explains. Straw is usually made to make uh, bricks out of it, or used in a fire and so on. So therefore it's mukta. So you have the straw that's sitting on a bed, do not shake it off with your hands. But you could remove it and shake it off with your body. Okay, this is uh, mukta, which is done. So that's allowed. If this straw was not designated for its use for making bricks or for fire, but it was actually designated for feeding animals, for animal feed. Or he spread out the straw as a place where he's going to sleep there. And he already put a pillow and a blanket before Shabbos. So then you could move around the straw even with your hands. Because once you put your pillow and blanket, you make it clear that you're not using the straw for bricks or any other materials. You're using it actually to sleep there. So what do you see over here? He doesn't have to mentally designate it. He doesn't have to do any action to tie the straw or anything. Just the fact that he placed on his pillow and blanket there, that's good enough. So this is the opinion of Ravasi. Shmami, no, this again proves the opinion of Ravasi. And we pass him like Ravasi that when it comes to taking a non-mukta item and ter- uh, to, to turning a mukta item, that is, and into a non-mukta item, as long as you're treating it in a non-mukta way, automatically it becomes a non-mukta item. 
So we know we have Rav Shimon Gamliel, now we have Rav Asi here, but we never identified who was the Tanakama. The Tanakama was very machmer. He said you have to actually do an action to turn it into an Anmuktsa Who is this? This is Rav Chanine Ben Akiva. And the Gemara says this based on the following report that Zi'iri said. He said in the name of Zi'iri as follows. Once Rab Chanina ben Akiva came to a specific place, and it was before Shabbos, and he found these branches of the palm tree, they were cut for firewood, and he told his students, he reminded them and told them, that you should go and mentally designate them, so that tomorrow on Shabbos, we'll be able to sit on them. Now, and then, part, as part of the report, Ziri said, or what he said, what happened over there, and I'm not sure why it was necessary for Rabbi Hanina ben Akiva to go remind them to do this. Was it over there, were they there in that place together for a chasana? Or perhaps they were there for a Besa Oval, the opposite, a Besa Oval. And therefore they were very preoccupied with the, whether the chasana or the Oval. And therefore he had to remind them. Remind them to prepare what to sit on for Shabbos. Till here's the report of Zi'idi. Says the Gemara, Since it says that the only reason why he had to tell them, remind them, to, des- to, to designate it mentally before Shabbos, so I see from this, that it was only then, because it's a Beis Evil and Beis HaMishteh, and they were very preoccupied, and therefore, over there, he said that by just pre-design- by, by designating it mentally, that would be good enough. But in a regular case, when there's no tirda, if it's not a chasana, if it's not a base evil, then kesher in, loy kesher loy. You have to do, usually, you have to do an action. You would have to take these branches and tie them together to show that you want to use it as a cheer. It was only there that Chanira, Chanira ben Akiva told them because they were so tarot, so he told them that at least you should designate it mentally. But otherwise, he is the Tana, he, or he's the, he's the opinion that holds that you have to be machmer to designate it with a physical action. So, now there's an exception to this. Even according to the opinion that says that you have to do an action to designate a muktza item, to become a non muktza item. But Omar Rav Yehuda said, Machnis Adam A person can bring a basket of earth into the house. And he can use it for all his needs. So on Mulligat it was necessary to have a basket of earth in your house. The floors were just earth. So if a person wants to use this earth to spread out over Shabbos, if there's any place of dirt or any schmutz in the house, you just pour dirt over it, earth over it that is. So therefore, a person can bring in this uh, basket of earth. Earth is usually muktzah. But if you bring it into the house, so then you can use it on Shabbos. Now it's not muktzah anymore. So now he added and he said, That's only if you place this basket of earth in a corner. But if you took that basket of earth and you already spread it out on the floor in the house and people are stepping on it, once it's already spread out on the floor and people are stepping on it, that's muktzah. That has no use anymore for you, and therefore you're not allowed to touch it. If you put it in a corner in the basket, so then you designated it for use, so it's allowed to be used. So Rabbanu said in front of Rabbanu, 
who does the statement of Rav Yehuda follow? Rabshim ben Gamliel seems to be following the opinion of Rabshim ben Gamliel because the person didn't do any specific action with the actual earth itself. He just mentally designated it. Like Rabshim ben Gamliel says, that the machshava of the person is enough. The Ha'amri, but Rabbanan said, Before, when it came to the branches, you have to tie the branches in order for it to become an an Over here, he didn't tie, he didn't do anything to the earth. Rapapa responded and said, No, you're making a mistake. The opinion of Rav Yehuda could even follow the first opinion before the Rabbanan. When did Rabbanan say that you have to have an action to designate it to be a non muktzayim? Elamidi, that is the bara vide be something that you could do an action with it when you have branches, so you could tie it together to make it into a chair. But if it's something that there is no action to do with it, the earth is sitting there in the basket, there is no action to be done in order to designate it for your use. So then, loy. Then even the Rabbana will agree that it's not necessary to do an action in order to designate it to be a non Shall we say that this statement of Rav Yehuda, when there's no action possible, so then there's no action needed, and just by designating it mentally that's good enough, shall we say that this is a machlokes tanoyim? And the Gemara brings the following stira uh, that you find between two brises. In one brise it says, "Bakol chafenes you're allowed to um, scrub kalim and uh, you want to shine, let's say, shine silver. You're allowed to shine the kalim with anything on Shabbos. Chutz mikli kesev Besides silver, you can't shine it with tartar, which is, uh, Rashi Avir says, some like earthly, earthly uh, substance that uh, grows in uh, barrels of wine. So that you can't use on Shabbos. Why not? So Rashi over here says, because when you shine it with this substance, it scrubs it, and it could be the Moloch of Memachik. Memachik is when you, are, um, when you are smoothing things out. So this is the Moloch of Memachik. So therefore with this, you can't shine your, your uh, Kesef. Now, so what do we see from here? Or oh, actually, this is part of the Braisa. I mean, if you look over here on the side of the Gemara, or on the other Gemara that has it in a note, it is Aval, the Braisa continues, Netter v'chayel, if you're using Netter or sand, that you're allowed. This is something that there's no issue of it uh, scrubbing it, and therefore this is just shining it, and that's allowed to be done on Shabbos. Mutter. In fact, the Gemara, but we just here, because in another Braisa it says, Vatanya, Netter v'chayel, Osir, that Netter and sand cannot be used on Shabbos. So what's, how do we resolve the stira of these two Braises? My love, don't you think that the argument between these two braises revolves around the subject of muktzah? The marasol, because we're talking here about sand, right? So sand is something that if you don't designate it, it's not muktzah. The marasovar, being a maise, the braise that says that you can't use sand to shine your, 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 your dishes or your silver, holds that you need an action. You have to have an action to designate the sand. And there really is no action to be done with designating the sand, so it's going to remain muktzah. And the b'raise that says that you could use the sand is because you don't need an action. If you designate it mentally, that's good enough. There is no action possible to be done over here with the sand. So therefore, it's not going to be muktzah. Says the Gemara, loy. This is not, this, the machleikis here between these two b'raises does not revolve around the subject of muktzah. The Kulam Loibina Maisa. 
Everybody agrees that if you have an item that's muktza and there is no action to be done with it, in order to turn it into a non-muktza item, there is no action needed. And over here, the argument has nothing to do with muktza. The loy kashya. There's no question here. Here the Gemara brings up, as it does many, many times, the machlekes of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon regarding a dover she'ein miskaven. Is a dover she'ein miskaven oser or muter? Oh, Rabbi Yehuda, the b'raise that says that it's oser to use this, uh, this sand to shine, the silver, follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, the oma dover she'ein miskaven oser, even if you're not having kavana, it's still oser. So this choyl, the sand, even though it's not for sure that it's going to scrub it, but it might, since it might, and therefore it's also. Even though you're not having kavada to scrub it, you're just trying to shine it. But still it's also, because even a dovashem is kavana is also. And Horab Shemin, the other Braise that says that it's allowed, the Oma, dovashem is kavana mutter. If you're not having kavana, that it should scrub the silver, or you may actually not even want you, you befetish don't want it to scrub the silver, so it's mutter. Right? So that's the argument regarding net, netter and choyl. Okay. So now, what have we explained? What are they arguing? The argument here revolves around the concept of Dover She'em Miskaven. When you're shining and it's going to scrub, not, not with your Kavane, is that a problem or not? So you said that the Braista says that it's permitted, this Karab Shimon is following the opinion of Rab Shimon. Now the Gemara quotes the rest of the Braista. Let's see what else it says there. Aim is safe for the Braise there continues. So the Braise said that you can use net of oil to shine your silver. So but then the Braise says, Avalayachov Bem Saroy, do not use it to scrub your hair, to wash your hair with it. Why? Because your hairs could fall out. Possibly your hairs could fall out when you're doing that. If we're following the opinion that says that ain't a machavin, you have no kavana that your hair should fall out. So that's not an issue. It's not. And the Gemara brings up a fetish and Mishnah that follows the opinion of Rav Shimon and says that it's not a problem. Nazir. A Nazir, of course, is an individual that one of the things he's not allowed to do is cut his hair. So therefore, he's not allowed to do anything that he will, will be pulling out here. But the Mishnah says, Chayfif. He's allowed to scrub and wash his hair with this netter and choyl that may take out hair. Umefaspis, he may separate his hairs that might be tangled. He can separate his hairs with his hands. Why? Because in these two cases, he's ain't a machavim. He's not. It's not necessary that the hair is going to come out. So therefore, he's allowed. But he's not allowed to comb his hair. Because when you comb your hair, definitely hairs will come out. So this is the, the, the rule that's known as psikresha. Since it's for sure going to come out, so that even Rab Shimon says it's not allowed. So this Mishnah is, is, is Rab Shimon. It's going with Rab Shimon's opinion that Eina Machavan is allowed. And what does he say? That you could wash your hair, a Nazir could wash his hair with Netter and Choyl. So how can we say that the Braise before that says that it's Mutter to, to, to shine the Kesef with Netter and Choyl is following the opinion of Rab Shimon? If over there in the safe of the Braise it says you can't wash your hair with Netter and Choyl. So the Gemara has to retract of what it said before that the Braise goes according to Rab Shimon. Ella, rather, what we have to say is Ha Vahara Yehudihi. Both Braises that were discussing the Netter Vachoyl, whether it could be used to shine the silver, they're both Rab Yehuda. That says that Eina Machavan is still Osir. The Trei Tanoi lived Rab Yehuda. These are two opinions following Rab Yehuda's Shitta. Hi Tana. Uh, one Tana, according to Rabbi Yehuda, holds Gorir, that if you're going to use Netter and Choyl, it's not going to shine your silver. It may also scrub it, and therefore it's a problem. And the high Tana, Rabbi Yehuda, and the other Tana says, no, 
this kind of substance, this this this, this sand does not scrub the silver, right. and therefore it's not doesn't scrape. That is, okay, that's a right better word. Thank you. It does not scrape the silver, and therefore it's not a problem. Okay, so. The Gemara's conclusion right now is that both prices are according to Rabbi Yehuda that says that Einoi Mechaven, when you do a Malach on Shabbos and Einoi Mechaven, it's still Osir. What are you saying? That both prices go according to Rabbi Yehuda. Aim is safe. Look further in the, there in the price of what it says. So what did it say? You can't, um, you can't uh, wash your hair, it said. But then the price says, Avoponov Yodoveraglov Mutter. But to wash your face, your hands, and your feet, it's allowed. Why is it allowed according to Rabbi Yehuda? It removes hair. How can you wash your face? You have the beard, and it can remove the hairs from the face. So how is it allowed? Rabbi Yehuda, Enemachavan is also. So the Gemara gives three simple answers. Either we're talking about a child that has no hairs, and not on his face, and he doesn't have any hairs that it's going to bring out. Or we're talking about a woman that has no beard. Or we're talking about a sris, which is a person that doesn't grow any hairs, and therefore there is no hairs over here to be concerned about. That concludes this section of the Gemara, which discussed, which was the beginning of the discussion over here, was going to the subject of Muktzeh, how you designate a Muktzeh item to become a non Muktzeh item. But now, since we brought up this, this Indian over here about washing uh, yourself with different substances, whether it's going to pull out the hair or not. So the Gemara now brings up different uh, things about this. Omer Rav Yosef. Sorry, I skipped one line. Omer Rav Yehuda. Ofra The powder from a brick. Some kind of a brick. The powdered brick that they used as a as a soap. Shari. is allowed to be used in Shabbos. It does not pull out any hair. Omer Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef said, Kuspa Dismin. The pulp of uh, sesame, I believe it is. Shari, that's also allowed. Omar Rava, Afra Pilpali. The powder from uh, from peppers. Shari is also allowed. Omar Rav Sheishes, Rav Sheishes said, Barda Shari. Barda is allowed. My Barda, what is Barda? Omar Rav Yosef, the ingredients of this Barda is as follows. Tilsa Ohala, a third of it is Ohala, which which in English is aloes. And Tilsa Asa, a third of it is from Hadassim. And the Tulsa Sigli, and a third of it is violets. That's the ingredients. So, this also will not pull out any hairs. Omar Rav Nechami Bar Yosef, Rav Nechami Bar Yosef said, Kol Hecha Deleka Ruba Allah Shapedami. As long as it doesn't have in the ingredients mostly of this Allah, it's allowed. So, before he said that it's only if it's a third. And Rav Nechami Bar Yosef is saying, as long as it's not the majority of the ingredients. Why, my name is Rav Sheishes. Now, the question was asked from Rav Sheishes. So according to Rashi's Pshat, this is an unrelated Indian. Are you allowed to take um, olives? I mean, the only connection that there is to the previous Gemara is because we were talking about crushing, uh, crushing uh, peppers or uh, what else did we have with a sesame thing. So the Gemara over here is also talking about a similar kind of thing regarding olives. person wants to take olives and he wants to lift He's sort of banging the zesim in order to get rid of the bitterness, a little bit, a little to remove a little bit of the bitterness of these olives. Is that allowed to be done Bishabbos? Okay, so what would be the issue of, uh, of doing this? He's preparing the food. There's, there's, there, we'll see later in the Gemara, there's a concept of tikkun oichel. There could be an issue of taking something that's unfit for eating. If it's too bitter to eat, and by banging it on Shabbos, you're making it fit for consumption, that might be an issue. 
Amalahu, so Rav Sheish is answered, to take food, to take olives, and to go and bang it like this, is that allowed to be done even in the weekday? Kasavar. So what does he hold? Why not? Because you're destroying good food. What's the chat you're destroying good food? Because there's the oil, the olive oil that comes out, that goes to waste. So you're destroying good food and you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. There's an Isra of Hefzad Eichlin. So the Gemara now says, shall we say, that the concern that Rav Sheshis had, that it's going to ruin the olive oil, argues with what Shmuel said. Because Shmuel said, and we learned this already in the Gemara in Brachis, a person is allowed to do, use, that is, bread for any of his needs. It's not considered busy Eichlin to use, or Hefzad Eichlin to use bread of any, for any of his needs. So the Gemara answers, no, it's not the same thing. Omri, they answered, pass, if you're using bread for other purposes, it's not going to make the bread disgusting. You can still eat it, it's, you can still you fit for human consumption. Hani, meisi, over here, however, the olive oil that comes out is repugnant. No one's going to eat it. So therefore, you're taking good food and you're, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be able to eat it, you're not going to be able to use the olive oil. So therefore, he said it's not allowed to be done this way, not on Shabbos and not during the week. The Gemara returns to what we were discussing before, which is the different uh, soaps or things that were powders that were used to washing yourself on Shabbos. These three Amiroim were sitting together. Aisel Kamai Barda, and it was uh, it was on Shabbos, and they brought Barda. They brought this this powder Barda. The Gemara said before the ingredients. Amei Meravashi Moshu. Amei washed themselves with it. Marzutra did not want to wash himself with his barda. So they, they said to him, Do you not hold of what Rav Sheshish said? Barda, sorry, that barda is allowed, it doesn't pull out any hairs. So Rav Mardachai, which was also present apparently, said to them, Bar demar. Leave him out of this discussion. Don't, don't ask him why he's not using it on Shabbos. He... He doesn't uh, use it even in the weekdays. He even in the weekdays he holds that it's not allowed to be used. Why? What's the wrong with using barda in the weekdays? Because he holds like what we learned in the Braisa. A person can scrub off the any schmutz that he has on his skin of a gilde maka or a crust from a wound that he wants to take off on his on his uh, skin because of the pain that he has from it. But if it's in if a person is putting powder, he's using this barda, which is this powder, just to beautify himself, that is not allowed. And as Rashi here says, because this is something which is awesome, that a person is doing something just for the purpose to beautify themselves, that's not allowed. So the Gemara says, and the other two Amiraim, Armeimer and Ravashi, that did use the barda, who do they hold? Like that they did use it, why weren't they concerned of beautifying themselves like a woman? And for the Gemara, Savruah, Kehad, Tanya, they hold like what it says in the Braise, Reichetzadam, Panov, Yadav, Raglov, Bechol Yoim, a person should wash himself, should shower every single day, or at least wash his hands, his face, hands, and feet every day, Bishvul Kainai, for the sake of the Abishter, coming to Davin to stand clean, washed for the Abishter, Mishim Shanemar, 
Kol Paul Hashem Lamaneo. Everything that Hashem created is for His purpose. The Eivish that created this Barda only for the purpose that a Yid should wash himself and come prepare himself for the Eivish. Interesting how the Gemara brings up this passage, Kol Paul Hashem Lamaneo. In other words, the Gemara is trying to point out mm-hmm. the same substance that could be used negatively to be Eivara Isser of Loisilbash, but if a person is using it to wash himself, to be able to dive in, you transform it to be used in a positive way, to stand in front of the Eibishta, the way it's befitting to stand in front of a king. Alter Rebbe brings this Pasuk, called Paul Hashem Lomanei, with the conclusion of the Pasuk, that even a Rasha, the creation of Rishus in the world, is only for the purpose to turn the Ra into Yom, to transform it into positive. So we here you have this also in the Gemara, Benigay to this Indian, turning something which it could be a lav, into of Leisilbash, into something positive, using it to beautify yourself to stand in front of the Eidushter. Okay, the Gemara returns now to the Mishnah. So, the Mishnah was speaking about doing the Hatmana in this kind of a box that they placed inside this box, and inside the box they had Gizet Semer, they had wool shearings that kept it insulated. But, we said in the Mishnah that the wool shearings are Muktze. So therefore, the Tanakhama said, what do you do? You just take off the cover of the pot and, and you don't touch the wool shearings. But then it brings another opinion, Rabbi Lozab ben Azariah So you don't take the pot. He says, don't remove the pot from the box. Leave the pot inside the box. And that way, you just tilt the box and you can take the food out. But the Rabbi Lozab ben Azariah says, if you're going to take the pot out, so then the wool shearings are all going to fall in. And you won't be able to then put it back in and surround the pot with the wall sharings. And then afterwards it said, the Chachamim disagree. Chachamim said, you can take in the pot, take out the pot, it's not a problem. So the Gemara is going to explain this Machlaikis now. Everybody agrees that if when you took out the pot and now the wall sharings fell into the cavity of this box, and now you, you can't move anymore the wall sharings to surround the path with them because it's muktz. Everybody agrees to that. Okay, so the Gemara, how is this going to work over here? Tanam, but we learned in the Mishnah, the Chachamim say, Neitel, take the pot out of the box, and you can return it. So let's understand what the Chachamim was saying. Hey, Chidomi, what were they talking about? If when you took out the box, the, sorry, the, the pot from the box that is, so the wool shearings remained in their position, and you can place the pot right back in without touching the wool shearings. What's the problem? The Rabbanon are right. There's no issue. You don't have to touch the Gizet Semer. So Elohav, so what was the Chiddush of the Rabbanon, which Rabbanon and Azariah argued on? The Rabbanon came to say, unlike Rabbanon and Azariah that says, that you can't remove the pot because the wool shearings fall inside and then you can't touch it. But the Rabbanan say, no, that it's not a problem. You still could move it, even if the wool shearings fall into the uh, box. That's what it, that's what we have to say the Machlaikis is. So the Gemara says, Light. no. Here's the explanation of the Machlaikis. What we're speaking about over here is he takes the pot out of the box and the Gizet Sema remain in their position. And therefore, the Rabbanon allow it. And Vahacha, so what is their Machlaikis? Bechoshishin kamiflegi. The Machlaikis is, is there a chashash? Is there a concern? What's the concern? Should we be concerned that even in a case where it doesn't fall down, the wool sharings are not going to fall down, Chachamim didn't allow you to remove the, 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 the uh, Chachamim, saying the Chachamim. I don't mean the Rabbanon. Okay? There's a Takanas Chachamim that they don't allow to remove the pot from the box. Because it might fall down. That's the Machlaikis. So Rabbanon hold that it's not a problem. 
Again, is there a chash that, uh, that we have that the wool sharings may fall in? says we are the wool sharings might fall in and it's muktzeh and you might then touch it and move it and you're not allowed to on Shabbos. Shema niskalkala guma, we're that the guma is going to become uh, ruined because the wool sharings are going to fall inside. And the Rabbanon hold that we're not chayshish. If you could take out your pot and they're going to remain in place, the, the, the gizet sem are going to remain in place, it's not a problem. Talk to Gemara Vaitam, Rav Hone, said, Hai Slikusta. This Slikusta, Rashi says, is some kind of a plant that's a beautiful plant uh, with, a, with a very good smell that they used to place into moist earth just to, 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 to sit in that position and uh, they, you would take it out. The person, when he wants to smell it, removes it. It's not there planted. It's just placed in that position. He takes it out to smell and then he puts it back. Whenever he wants to smell it, he takes it out from there. So the issue over here is the earth. The earth that it's placed into is muktzah. So if you're taking it out, you're moving earth. So therefore you can't take it out on Shabbos and move the earth. So therefore, so the Gemara says, this slikusta, this kind of plant, dotsa. Uh, if you stuck it into this position that it's stuck into, in, the, in this moist earth, shalfa, he pulled it out, and the dotsa, and he stuck it back in again. If this was all done before Shabbos, sharia. So then on Shabbos, you could remove it whenever you want to smell from it. Because once you did that, it has this little groove over there where it's open and it's, you're not going to be moving the earth if you take it out again on Shabbos. But if not, oser. If not, it's going to be oser. This is the pshat that most Mepharshim say over here in Rashi. Yeah, this is the pshat we'll go with. On Mashmuel, Shmuel says a similar halacha, hai sakina debeni orvi. A knife that's being stored in the wall, you have bricks in the wall, and between the bricks there's mortar that's soft that you can stick in a knife inside and to store it over there. So when you stick in the knife, you're sort of sticking it inside the mortar and then you take it out. So... Again, there's the same issue, that you're moving it. It's muktzah on Shabbos. This, you can't move this, this uh, uh, cement that's between the bricks. Dotsa. If you stuck it in, shalf, you took out the knife. Vahadah dotsa. And you stuck it in again, shari. Then it's allowed because you already made that space over there for it and you're not moving around the mortar. If not, it's forbidden. If you want to place your knife and store it in these reeds that grow around a palm tree, Rashi says, there's a lot of reeds that grow over there together, and you want to place the knife over there, over there it's not a problem. Over there it's not going to move anything and it's okay. Master Rav Katina to Yufter of Katina asked the following question. And this is a Mishnah in Kalim that says, If a person hides lefes, turnips, or radishes under a vineyard. He's putting it over there, he's storing it over there under the vineyard. That's, that's a place of a good place of, I guess, to keep it cool, a good place of storage inside the ground under in a, vin, in a vineyard. Right? It's not still some of the leaves that are sticking out. So there's no problem of placing these turnips or radishes in the vineyard. There's no issue where on the Ftafnunalif, there's no issue for Klayim, because it's not it's not planted there, you're just uh, hiding it there. There's no issue of planting in Shmita. There's also no issue of uh, of, of Meiser. 
that um, you're going to have to take Meiser again. You're not, again, you're not planting it. And the last thing it says in the Braise is, or the Mishnah actually is, Vinitolin B'Shabbos. You're allowed to take it out on Shabbos. Even though, what happens when you take it out on Shabbos? There's some earth that's there that gets moved. That you shake, you have to shake off some earth because you hit it over there underneath, inside the earth. There's there's a there's a uh, there's a leaf that's sticking out. So you pick it up with the leaf. But when you take it out, there is some earth that's shaking off. So what do you see from here? Even though it's moving the earth, it's not a problem. So to Yufta, this refutes what we said before regarding moving this plant that uh, the silukta that you put into this moist earth or the knife that they put into the wall, even though it moves around the earth or the mortar that's in the wall, it doesn't matter. If you're taking out the non-muktza item and the other muktza things shake off automatically, that's okay, that's mutter. And that, this is actually the halacha, this is very negay, sometimes when you have a muktza item and you could just take, uh, sorry, a non-muktza item, and there's another muktza item there, you just take the, the non-muktza item, and the muktza item shakes off of it, it's not a problem. But there's, it's more nuanced, there's more details to this, and this is the main sugi of this Indian, of muktza, and this subject is later in, in the Kofiutes, I think, somewhere over there, is the main sugi of this Indian. But this is, this is the halacha, Lamaisa, that we're not concerned about shaking off the muktza item from the, muktza, from the non-muktza item, that is. Okay, at Khan the Gemara for today. So as I said, for tomorrow in Mitzushem, starting from tomorrow onward, the Shear of Gemara will be in Mitzushem 9 o'clock.